0: Know uh, Bernard Masai. Bernard Masai is uh, one of our our members, uh, and he had a surgery not too long ago and a brain tumor in which God worked in it in just a wonderful way and bringing healing to him as he continues to recover. uh, While he was there uh, in preparation and, and recovering from that time, he had made a vow to the Lord. ...of giving a sacrifice of praise. And uh, some of you may recognize that language from the Bible. You see this in certainly Psalm 116. And uh, he talked to me about this. Now this is a a tradition that uh, they have practiced fairly freely uh, in the church in Kenya. And uh, I wanted to share with you some scripture because it was in his heart to give a sacrifice of praise... And this is something that we will plan to do July 22nd, uh, give a sacrifice of praise. If you look in Psalm 116, uh, you'll find um, an example of someone who is giving a vow to the Lord. If you look in verse 12 through 14, what shall render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord and the presence of all his people. And then if you go down to verse 17, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. And I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people in the courts of the house of the Lord. In your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Of course, this was written in a time when there was a temple, a place of God's presence. We no longer have the temple. We are the temple. God's people are God's dwelling place. And, and so, in absence of that, the church is a, a very fitting place. Uh, if someone wanted to give a vow of thanksgiving to the Lord, uh, to do so uh, among the church people, and this is something that he has committed to the Lord and wanted you to be aware of it and, and ask you to join in with them Uh, He just is thank, thanking God for how God has been working in his body and his, his mind as well as through the body, the body of Christ using you. And, uh, he just wanted to give a thanksgiving offering that he and his family will be leading in, but invites you to join in. Uh, you know, if you think about it, we, God has done many mighty things in our, in our life. And we talk about how we thank God for, uh, getting us through education or through a job or through a workplace or, Thank God for bringing us to a home or bringing us to a country. And, and we talk about having Thanksgiving to God, but sometimes we don't know how to express it. And it is a, a proper place in the Bible for us to give a, a vow of thanksgiving to the Lord, uh, to give a thanksgiving offering. Uh, and this is something that uh, he wishes for our church body to experience. And I think as I read the scripture, it is certainly a scriptural practice to, to do. And so I just want to let you know, July 22nd, we're going to have a time where he and his family will come forward and give a Thanksgiving offering, and he invites you to do that. This offering will just go to uh, the church. It's not to any designated uh, offering place or anything like that. It's just given to the church, and uh, this is something that I want you to think about, read scripture about. I'll talk with you more about this as we get a little bit closer to this time, but I wanted you to go ahead and have this on your your radar. Um, now if you'll turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit and who He is as we've considered the Ascension Sunday back in May 20th, how Jesus ascended up to be with the Father, and so doing, God gives everything into the power of Jesus, everything is at the footstool of Jesus, and, and He is now King over all because of the, the cross, and, and way, a way of demonstrating that is to send the Holy Spirit to the earth to fill the believers. And so we celebrated Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, and how it was a significant time for the church and, and what makes the church a church. And uh, since that time we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is, his nature. We've talked a little bit about what he does. Uh, we talked last week about being filled with the Spirit. And uh, today we're going to talk about the Spirit's working in the church body. Now, I'll bring this with an accompanying direction. As, as Trevor brought to your attention, I will be praying tonight at 6.30 uh, here uh, in the worship center. I invite you to join me as we pray, especially for our church. I just want to share uh, a little bit of that time just to share about concerns in my heart and in our church. And then, but more importantly, to pray. And I just encourage you, um, if you are like me and burdened for our church I invite you to join me as we come together, and we find that God's Spirit works in response to prayer, and it is it is appropriate for us to do this together, um, seeing that Wednesday night is not working for most of us, and so I'm just asking that we just do this uh, together tonight. And so, as we consider how God works in the church, we have something called spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, we'll talk about that again next Sunday, because I have... Uh, a uh, little hope that we will accomplish everything that I hope to get accomplished this morning. Uh came across a, a museum. I was uh, talking with a, an individual that was related to one of our members, and he was telling me about this museum in Burton, Texas. It is a Burton Cotton Gym and Museum. I thought, well, that's interesting. And he said, the claim to fame is that in Burton is the oldest operating cotton gin in America, and, the, and there's some key words, the oldest operating uh, cotton gin in America, and so I looked this up online, I thought, let, let me figure this out, and so uh, I read about it, and I found out that they, sure enough, it is still in production, and they produce for each year one bale of cotton. They produce one bell of cotton every year so they can maintain the title. And then they take this bell of cotton and they put it in the museum. And so it stays in the museum only to be replaced the next year with the next year's production of one bell of cotton. I thought, amazing. I I had hopes that perhaps maybe I'd be wearing that that bell of cotton, but I don't know if that really is happening. Uh, and so I looked online and I saw the mission, mission statement. The Texas Cotton Gin Museum keeps the legacy of cotton alive for all generations through the maintenance and preservation of the 1914 Burton Farmer's Gin, the oldest operating cotton gin in America. So the mission statement is about, let's keep this cotton gin working. The vision statement. So not only do they have a mission statement, they have a vision statement. The Texas Cotton Gin Museum enriches people's lives by helping them understand cotton's past to appreciate the present and embrace the future. I read that, and I thought, this is interesting. It's amazing. This whole thing exists so that we can celebrate what once was done commonplace. And I read that, and I thought, God, I pray our church never becomes that. A church is not there to make sure that we maintain something that was done a hundred years so that it could be placed in a museum to showcase. But the church still exists to change the world. It still exists to bring glory to God. It still exists to produce worshipers in Nightdale. And around the world. And so as we study 1 Corinthians 12 together, I want us to keep in mind what is the purpose of a church. And not just this church, but any church. Because as we study the spiritual gifts, it is to be uh, tied to that purpose. I think we get a hint of this as we read together 1 Corinthians 12. And I want us to read verses 1 through 13. And in honor of this being God's word, let's stand as we read together 1 Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led... For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. And all these empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, through many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. You may be seated. Just uh, keep in mind that this letter was written to the church in Corinth in which there were many many problems including sexual immorality including divisions among the body they would all, would gather together in fact in the first chapter or the chapter previous to this chapter 11 it identifies issues that they had even in the Lord's supper where there were issues of folks getting drunk and folks being gluttonous and they're not sharing with one another uh, and so there's instructions in 1 Corinthians 11 about uh, the Lord's Supper. And uh, you see this issue that they've got with, with a discipline issue, a church discipline uh, problem of a gross immorality that even in their pagan society, that, which was filled with idols, that they themselves saw actions and activities in the church and said, that's not right. So even folks who were unbelievers were telling this to the church. And so Paul is writing this letter And what's amazing to me is that he calls this church a church. He says, still in you is the spirit of God. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, in you is the spirit of God dwelling in you. And so I want you to keep in mind that he's talking to a local church. He's not talking about the church universal, but a local church in which it's filled with problems filled with unity issues, filled with morality issues, um, filled with drunkenness. And he writes to this church and he gives them some instructions about what unites them and the spirit of God. I think it's is telling to consider this. And then, of course, in chapter 13, you know what that's about. If you go into a wedding, often you've heard this, the love chapter. And so uh, right after the, the learning of the spiritual gifts is understanding that we operate by Love. And so, uh, as we read this, I want you to first understand one important lesson. Actually, there's a lot of lessons, but this is the first one. <laughs> the Spirit of God produces the worship of God through the people of God declaring the word of God. All right? just It sounds long, but it's how God is working today. The Spirit of God produces the worship of God through the people of God declaring the word of God. Notice how he introduces this in verses 1 through 3. What does the Spirit of God do? How is it going to produce life? He says, first of all, you need to understand, when the Spirit of God is working in His people, you're not going to have folks living life apart from God's Word, contrary to God's Word, saying, Jesus is accursed. Now, in that day and time, in idol worship, there would be ecstatic utterances, things that were kind of crazy speech, Folks going in trances and speaking. And he says, look, understand that when we're talking about being God's spirit, it's not like that. There's going to be end result in which folks will say that Jesus is Lord. They will not accursed Jesus. They will not by their life. And it's not just words, but by their life, they are going to lift up Jesus as Lord. And so you see this in the vice versa or in the, uh, uh, in, in the other way, the positive way of speaking this. He says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except ...and the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I know... ...you can physically say that with your tongue... ...and not have Jesus as your Lord. So he's not just talking about what speech comes out of your mouth... ...but what is the expression of your heart. No one can express in their heart that Jesus is Lord... ...apart from God's Spirit. And so this tells us a little bit of what God's Spirit is continuing to do in my life. The Spirit of God continues to identify rival idols of my heart continues to convict me, continues to draw me to that point of saying, Jesus is Lord in my heart. And this is going to be the work of God's Spirit. And now he does it through God's people. He does it through God's people. How is God working in today? He still does it in the same way. Uses his people, works in them the word of God through the Spirit of God to the point where they worship God and say, Jesus is Lord. So you, you wonder, what is God's Spirit doing in my life? What is the point of spiritual gifts in my life? What's the point of abilities in my life? It is to worship God. And not just to worship in my own heart, but to help others worship God as well. Now, when Jesus was on this earth, he said something interesting. John fourteen twelve. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Have you ever read that verse and wondered? I don't know about that. I mean, we're not walking in water. We're not calling people from the dead. We're not, uh, we're not causing two loaves or two fish and five loaves to spread and multiply to feed five thousand. How is this possible that we are doing greater work than Jesus? Now, you have to consider what is the work of Jesus, and we'll talk about that. But one thing I want you to understand is that when Jesus goes, He goes in order to bring the Spirit of God into our life. And the Spirit of God now is spread throughout God's people. And so the power of God is no longer isolated into one human being, but is spread through God's church, through his body, to do the work of Jesus. Now, what did Jesus say that he was going to do? There's some interesting passages uh, that that speak to this. and um, In John 12, verse 27 through 28, Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus' work was to glorify the Father's name. Guess what his work's going to be still today? The church is to glorify the name of the Father. Jesus isn't here to do it. The Spirit of God is here to do that in our life. In Luke 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus is quoting an Isaiah passage, Isaiah 61, quoting it to the Capernaum synagogue. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. is covering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Part of the work of Jesus Christ is to bless the world that he was in. To heal it through his power. This is still going on through not Jesus in person, but the spirit of Christ working in the body. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost in response to Zacchaeus. He says, this is why I'm here. What does the Spirit of God do today? He does the same work Jesus did, and that is he seeks and saves the lost. When the Spirit of God is working in a church, we are to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, I must go because greater works are yet to be done through the Spirit of God working in God's people to do this, to seek and save the lost. John twenty one to 16 When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. The Spirit of God is working, continuing still to build up his church. I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says, I will build my church. So what does the Spirit of God do? The same work that Jesus did. Building the church, seeking and saving the lost, glorifying the name of the father, uh, healing this world through God's people. All right. Here's the point. Church, if we want the spirit's blessing in our church, we must we must come under the authority of Jesus and what he tells a church to do if we do not come under the authority of Jesus and what He tells a church to do, do not expect the Spirit's blessing on that church. Does that make sense? If I tell tell my child, don't run in the road, and my child runs in the road and then has the audacity audacity to, to call out my name and say, Daddy, help me run on the road. I say, no, I'm not going to bless this effort. It is against my direction. And so we must keep in mind what is the word's direction, God's word's direction for a church. And this is where Acts 1.8 is so critical. Where Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is so critical. In Acts one eight, when he says, after this, wait. And the power of God will come upon you. Then you shall be witnesses unto me, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is where we have that saying, a greenhouse for the Great Commission. is so important because it recognizes the Word of God, the command of Jesus. When He tells us to go and make disciples, make reproducing disciples of Jesus Christ that would change the world. It's a changed life to make more worshipers of God. Now, simply But when you think about spiritual gifts now, what are spiritual gifts is a way of Jesus working in your life to accomplish his mission. Why do you have a spiritual gift? It is a way of Jesus working in your life to accomplish his mission. Now, there's some different definitions, but that's a simple way. Uh, for understanding the spiritual gift is, is Jesus, is God working, pursuing his mission through the members of his church. It's his way of working in our life. Now, let me go on. There's quite a few things to say here. Uh, when we read verse 4, he says, now there are a variety of gifts. Uh, uh, and so what we're talking about here are, are grace Gifts. That's literally what the word means. Charisma. Uh, we we not automatically think of charismatic. It's it's where the word comes from. Charismatic. Is is from this grace gift the Spirit gives charismata uh, of that this is God's working His grace working in our life and there's a variety of them but it's the same Spirit working in the variety of gifts and there are varieties of service and so this is a little different action than gifts uh, this is a uh, servanthood this is where where there's ministries there's a variety of ministries a variety of services that a church will do among its body and through the, and to the community but there's the same Lord. There is a unifying direction. And it is from the Lord. It is of his spirit that these services are to work. And there are varieties of activities. Our, uh, our energies is, is kind of where the word comes from. Energies comes from this word. Variety of activities that a church is to do. But it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So it's important that when we have activities. And we have ministries. Does it accomplish God's purpose? If it's not accomplishing God's purposes, then we are under or outside of His authority. And that's something we got to continually ask ourselves. Now, let's go on to verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Let me just say this. When we say that, to each, the Spirit of God gives each believer all right if you are a follower of jesus christ if you've trusted him and you've got the spirit of god working in your life then you will be gifted by god's spirit the question is do you know that do you believe that and then lastly are you working god's gift okay okay That's just very simple. Either you know it, you believe it, or you don't. But one thing that does imply is that every member is important. Every member is a minister. Every member is a servant using the Spirit of God in their life to do the mission of God. That's just straight from the text. And we just need to understand that and believe that there's not one that's more important than another because it's the same God, same Spirit that's working through each one. Now, we'll keep on going here. The Spirit of God gifts each believer for the good of the church. The Spirit of God gifts each believer for the good of the church. You notice what it says. For to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, there's some implications of this. The Spirit of God gives each believer for the, for the good of the church. What's the implications? Here's one of them. My focus in a church is what do I contribute? My focus in a church is what do I contribute? My focus is how do I serve God in a church? Now, let me say why that might be a little different. We live in America. We love buffets. We love customer service. We will make and break a business based on the customer service. And the problem is that we often look at a church in the same way we'll look at a school. And it's what does it bring to me? How does it serve me and when i read this it says for to one uh, to each of us given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good often we'll ask ourselves i will keep going to the church as long as there's a pastor that keeps me entertained and i can listen and i get something I will say, I'll keep going to that church as long as there's some good relationships around me that are like me, that are people of that same age. And I'm going to keep on going because of the relationships. or I'm going to go to that church because of the relationships that are there. And that's tricky because church is relationships. But it's not the motivation for church. Sometimes we'll say, well, I'm going to go to this church because that worship is really engaging. I like that style of music. And I'm going to go to that church because of that. Or we'll say, you know, I'm going to go to that church because of the children's ministry and what they bring to my children. And I I understand many of us sought out these things and we looked for these things. And perhaps maybe we joined a church because of these things. And it's one thing to say, all right, I was interested into that church. But now knowing the word of God, is that why you stay? Is that why you Continue. I was raised by grandparents who plug into a church. they visited around a little bit in the Zeppelin area back in the fifties <laughs> and they made a switch one time because of a pastor. They liked the pastor and where he was going, and so they just followed the pastor but what did what did what happened? Well, the pastor didn't stay and so then they're in this church where the pastor was no longer there was was the reason they went there and they learned a lesson and they decided we're not going to go because of a pastor. We're going to go because of what God's called me to do. And their focus was how do we serve the Lord in this church? And from the 60s on until 2005, they continued in that church, praying for revival, just teaching Sunday school. Pastors came and went, but they continued to serve, and I still meet people in this area who I look enough like granddad, and they'll spot me, and they'll tell me the ministry there, but there's many more that continued on before me who died. Because of their faithfulness in rest homes. What am I bringing out? It taught my dad that we go to a church because of God's call. God's call. And we stay in that church for God's call. The, The focus is not what the church does for me. Because honestly, it didn't always do a lot for granddad. It didn't always do a lot for dad. But it wasn't the point. The point was, how do I serve God and the church that he calls me to? And so using the gifts, and here's the thing. Understand, the gifts that you have do not belong to you. They belong to God and the church that he calls you to. Any ability I have to preach or to teach. I don't have the right to say to a church, I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like exercising my gifts. Because these gifts are under the prerogative of God and the church. I am not my own. I belong to a church. I belong to the Lord. It's not about what the church does for me, but it's about what God is working through me for the good of the church. Can you understand the difference in that? And what I'm just saying is fundamentally different from how most Americans think about church. Now, let me take you to this next idea, truth. It says, to each of us given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And it goes on listing several uh, gifts. And if I have time, I'll brief do a little description of each. If not, we'll save it to another time. But it says, all these empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so he brings out this metaphor of a body. And by the way, this idea of the of the terminology membership, do you know where it came from? The terminology membership came from right here. Came from the Bible to describe church who are members, body members of one another. And I would just argue with you biblically speaking that membership doesn't apply to any organization. But to the church. Because it's the only place where you are members of one another. Bodily speaking, he uses that metaphor. And so here's the idea that I want to bring to you. The truth that comes from this is that the Spirit of God gifts each believer to be interdependent. The Spirit of God gifts each believer to be interdependent on one another. Using that metaphor of the body. So, what does that mean? First of all, it means this. No one person has them all. It says, for to one is given, and then to another is given. It doesn't have this idea, and then there's one person that has them all. Because what would that mean if there's one person that had them all? Well, he'd be Jesus. For one. Uh, then second, he doesn't need anybody or she doesn't need anybody. You just go on around the world and you become the vessel through God can use his power without any need of anybody else. And you don't see that. It, it, there is the idea that there is an interdependence because there's not one person that has them all. What else does that mean? It means that I need the local church for God to continue work in my life. I need the local church for God to continue work in my life. Where do I get that from? Because he's saying the Spirit of God is working, gifting God's people for his work. And part of his work is building me up and building you up so that we can do the works of God. And if I am not in a church, if I'm not connected to a church... I have cut myself off from the power supply. If I can, if I'm separated from a church and I'm wondering why I'm not growing spiritually, I'm just answering it for you because you're not in a church. And let me just share with you that also applies when there is sin among believers that there's a separation between you and believers in that church and you find yourself walking down a cold path and you think, your church isn't doing it for me anymore. I'm not growing anymore. I don't have the momentum in my life anymore. I don't sense the Spirit of God there anymore. Let me just bring to your attention that it could be because there is a sin, a relationship sin among one another that has cut off the Spirit of God. Is grieving and quenching God's Spirit among us. And don't be surprised if in coming you say, I just don't sense it anymore. Our tendency is to look at everyone else. What's wrong with you? But that is what sin would get us to do. Sin is by nature blames it on another. Remember Adam and Eve? Remember that deal, Adam? What happened? A woman you gave me. Eve, what happened? That serpent you made. It's our tendency to blame it and put it off on one on one another when it could very well be in our own hearts. I, I had a, um, I had this once. I had this nice battery charger for my car. You know battery's getting down in your car, you just plug it into a wall outlet, and bam, you just leave it over for a few hours overnight, and then it's good. And I was thinking, I'd come home, I thought, man, my car's gonna be ready to go. It's ready to rolling. And I opened up and got the, the chargers out, and I thought, I'm not reading any meters. I'm not reading the, the gauges moving back and forth. There's no sparks. What happened? Oh, my precious dog, who was a puppy at that time, loved to chew things, including the power cord, from the battery charger to the wall outlet. And I have to, I have to admit to you, I wasn't having compassion at that moment. My thought was, I hope that shocked the dog. (laughs) I hope it taught the dog a lesson, don't do that again. But here's the thing, there's things that can get into our life that can cut off the power source. Of growth. If you are wanting God at work and you're not connected to God's people, His church, don't go exploring any further as to why God's not working in your life. I. I was amazed and I shared this uh, a couple weeks ago with Ephesians chapter four and talked about the gifts that and offices that God gives a church with pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles and how he brings them to a church so that they can build up the body to do the work of the ministry to and to the end result that they would grow up to the fullness of Christ, the, the measure of a man in Jesus Christ. And I thought, wow, I can't be the man God wants me to be unless I'm in the church and learning interdependence from one another. I can't preach to you a more anti-American message than to say, you need somebody. You need somebody for you to be who God wants you to be. There is the need, because of the Spirit of God gifting each believer to be interdependent, I need the local church for God to continue work in my life. So let me tell you this, the church is happening best when all are contributing. When all are contributing. Sometimes I talk to folks and and they like, and when I'm visiting people, they say, Well, you know, I don't really need to be a part of the church to be saved. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I granted that God did not give salvation through the church where you have to join the church to be saved. It's it's something by the grace of God through faith. But if you believe the Spirit of God's gifted you and has gifted others, one, you won't grow as a believer. Unless you're in the church, you must really think you've got it all together. You must have all the gifts. But number two, because you have been gifted, there's a church that would be blessed by your participation and and commitment and using your gifts to that church body. When members leave, sometimes members leave because God calls them. Sometimes they don't. And they leave for other reasons. There is a grief that takes place. There is a, a finger cut off. A foot cut off. And it hurts. It hurts. But God is God over that church. And we appeal to our God. 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 Grant to us all that's needed for us to work in this community. And we hold on to Him. We pray to Him. Even in a time like this, sometimes you could go to a church service and think, well, that was great, but I don't know if I was needed. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm just sitting here, I'm not really needed. I would say... That's not right. Right now, you're even needed to hear the word of God, to apply the word of God, to think maybe I need to share this word of God with someone else, probably maybe to come here with preparation and say, God, I need to encourage somebody. You put up my heart that I want to worship you and I worship you by encouraging someone by praying for that person, or praying with that person. When we come together, meet together, it's not just to hear me, it's to know that God is working through you and God's working through your tongue, through your heart, through your work. Maybe it's. To do all these things, to come together, to bring worship with you, to bring encouragement with you, to bring God's Word with you. Do you understand the difference of hearing something like this and to say, you know what, God's been working my heart in that message as well. This confirms what God has been doing. Or perhaps maybe I need to write down, I need to share this with somebody. Or I need to be praying for this, for somebody. Maybe I need to be praying right now. This is an area that we often don't think about. Let me just kind of pick on us a little bit. Yeah, in a little while, some of you are hoping sooner rather than later, I'll finish. And uh, I'll pray. And we'll, we'll sing. We'll stand up and sing. This is a special time when we stand up and sing because I've brought it to a point. I'm asking people to respond to what God's doing in their life through the word of God. It's a time of trust and obey. It's a a time of perhaps maybe a change happening in people's life. It is a very poignant, powerful time within this hour that we've got together. It is a time to be praying. For those of you who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it is a time to pray, to say, God, move with intensity in that person's heart. I would implore you as a pastor that it's time for things like that. Not, oh, I need to go. Everybody's standing up. This might be a perfect time for me to get out of the door. And to leave. To pick up my child. To do the next errand. To get my food. I'm just bringing that out. Sometimes we work more by practicality and we stop thinking about what we are who we are as a church and what this time is. I implore you, think about that. Think about that. This also means for those of us who have been attending forever here, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Commit to a church body. As Christ has committed to you. You sense God's working in your life. fact of the matter is. If something happened. You probably call someone here in this church body. To encourage you. Go ahead and commit. To the church that God is working in your life in. And calling you to. Here's something else. I just want you to think through. I don't have to do all that's in this world to do. Because we're interdependent on one another. There are thousands of burdens we'll hear a week. And you think, well, you know, I need to, I need to feed the poor. I need to take care of these who are homeless. I need to take care and help these in our body that are hurting. I need to visit this person. I need to pray for this, and and I need to help with the music. I need to clean up here, and I need to I need to study in the Word. I need to do I need to. Next thing you you got this huge list of everything you need to do, and then you add emails on top of that, and you think, oh my goodness, there's stuff around the world. There's this pastor in Iran who's being persecuted who may get killed. There are there believers our churches in East Asia they are getting wiped out. There's a famine going on in this country, and and, and next thing you know, you can just get so saturated that you do nothing at all. Because you can't do it all. You're not called to do it all. God's gifted you. First place to start is how he's gifted you. I had one of our members, uh, y'all know Chad, um, he had a heart just go places and you know, we, we had Haiti coming up and uh, he was working in, in, in India doing medical work and and uh, it's just one thing after another and he just was on fire uh, to do God's work around the world and and at one point he came up to me and he said, man, you know, I've been called by the, the North Carolina Baptist to, to work in Haiti and, and I said, I don't know if I can, what should I do? And he was perplexed about it because his brother was hurt in an accident. I said, Chad, you don't have to do it all. You're not called to do it all. You've got one brother. Go to your brother. Minister to him. It may be that God's calling someone else in our body and you're so eager to do it all that no one has an opportunity to do it. It could very well be that you're scaling back as an opportunity for someone else through God's Spirit to step up. The Spirit of God gifts each believer to be interdependent on one another. Now, so we keep on reading here, verse 11, and and really, if I have time, I'll get back to the next verses previous. Some of you are wondering about that. Um, not today, next, next week, Lord willing. Uh, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Who portions to each one individually as he wills. Now, notice verse 13. For one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The spirit of God gives unity to the people of God. The spirit of God is the one through whom God gives unity to the people of God. Now, some of you think, well, that seems common sense. It's right here in the scripture. Yes, it is very simple. The problem is that we forget about it. We get confused. And we start thinking, well, it's the Spirit of God and. and. We'll have this little conjunction and. That makes sure that we have unity in our church. It's the Spirit of God and we're all of the same race. No. One of the things I loved about this past week in Vacation Bible School is they were all the different colors of the world. I love that. Why? Because it is a statement to the world who watches that we're not united by something so insignificant as blood and skin color. Insignificant. Only lasts for but a vapor. That we are united not by skin tone, but we're united by God's Spirit. Now, how does that play a part? It is to have a mind that God's Spirit is greater than skin tone. And to be more excited about God's Spirit than skin tone. It's the Spirit of God that gives unity, not race. Not economic we're we're of the same economic status and that for their way we we can have unity in our church because we're of the same economic status you are diminishing god's spirit when in practicality you're operating that way not to mention you're sinning what gives unity to the people god is the spirit of god not education Not how we dress. It's not the Spirit of God and how we dress that gives unity to God's people. That's even less significant than skin tone. Now, maybe just bring out this one because it's a little bit of a hot issue in America. It's the Spirit of God that gives unity to the people of God, not music style. Some say, well, well, music's so important. Yes, it is important. It's the vehicle through how we worship by song. And some of us say, well, you know, when I get the right music, it just brings me closer to God. You know, I always thought that was Jesus' job. Isn't he the mediator? Isn't he the priest? The question we ask is what music in, is engaging to our people. It doesn't make sense for me to speak in another language right now because it doesn't engage you. But it's certainly not wrong for Jose to speak in Spanish at three o'clock. That's certainly not wrong. For others to speak in other languages, it's what's engaging to them. It is a tool as language is a tool to engage the people. And I'm just going to say that worship music style, not just worship, but music style as a segment under worship is a tool. And the question we ask is what is engaging to our body, which means, yeah, sometimes we're going to. Sing things that have been around for a while. Sometimes we're going to sing things that are new. Sometimes it's going to be of different uh, instruments. And it's not the guiding principle of what is the music style. Because all that isn't what unites us as a church. And listen, when we say that we go to a church because of the music style of the church, we're lifting music over God's Spirit and over Christ. When we leave a church because of the music style, we are Worshiping the music and lifting and exalting the music over God's call in our life. Just something to think about. And I like music. I enjoy it. It's a useful tool in my own worship. But it's not what unifies our church. How does that? How do we keep that? We have to be as excited or more excited about God's spirit and God's call than we are about music. And frankly, that's where we mess up. We lift up the tool over our God. And then we come to church and we wonder why there's worship wars. Friends, I have to teach the Bible. I can't teach church cultural. I teach the Bible, and it simply says the Spirit of God gives unity to the people of God, and we need to be sensitive, and we are to prefer one another. But we do so with a word of warning. Make sure we're united by God's Spirit, by Christ. But as we keep on, we'll notice something else. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who imparts to each one individually as he wills. So, you know, sometimes we get jealous. We get jealous because... Man, I really wish I had that spirit. That that, that or that gift. I'd be great if I had that gift, you know? Here's the thing. The gift isn't given to you to make yourself full good. It's not given to you to give yourself significance. That's abusing God's gift. God's gift is given what? For the common good of the church. And it goes back to the reason why you have that gift. But then Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves are free. See, that's what unites us. Not Jews, Greeks, slaves or free. All were made to drink of one spirit. When I read verse 12, because there are many members, though one body, the spirit of God also gives diversity to the people of God. When God gifts us, it brings us, it allows us to look at it the same situation and we'll look at it with different eyes. Because of how we're gifted. We'll look at some problem and we'll come to it and we'll look at it with different eyes. And often what we think are disagreements are really not disagreements. It could be actually more compliments. Than disagreements. Well, it's not this one is right and this one is wrong, but both together form to create a solution to our direction. When we have different gifts... Then we'll be thinking. You know, some of us have especially gifted in encouraging people. Some of us are especially gifted in and what's often called prophecy of just right and wrong. And, and some of us are gifted in in the areas of teaching and say, "Well, what does the Word of God say?" Let's let let's not get away from the Word of God says, and we'll have different focuses, and and then we'll have something come together, and and some of, somebody will have be gifted for evangelism and say, "Well, you know, it doesn't. What does all that matter if we're not winning people to the Lord?" And we'll come at it, and we'll have these different angles and different arguments about it that. Really, it's, you know, it's, it's not either or, it's both and. But when you have that gift, you want it top priority in a church. You want a top priority in that church. And it can't always be top priority. And this is where we come together, work together, recognizing our gifts and abilities to do the mission of Christ. But one last thought here. The Spirit of God gifts abilities and produces fruit in the people of God. What am I bringing out here? Sometimes we excuse our lack of spiritual growth to say, well, I'm not gifted in that area. Just because you have the gift of administration doesn't give you free reign to say, I can't serve somebody. Just because you have a merciful tendency or an encouraging spirit doesn't give you cause to not call out sin. Sin. What is the fruit of the Spirit? We go to Galatians chapter 5. we talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Whatever your spiritual gift is to operate in the spiritual fruit. And there is no reason not to love. After all this, he goes in chapter 12. What's the next chapter? You remember? Love. What does it matter if you've got all these gifts? What does it matter if you're doing all this work, but you're not loving? It says a, A gong sound, a clanging cymbal. Must have the love of God and love of one another in our life. Church, this is God's Spirit working in us, and He wants to do the mission of Jesus. He wants to do His work in Nightdale, and He wants to use this church not just in Nightdale. Acts eight says it's every church is to be international for witnessing of Christ. It's not either or, it's yes. And I just want to challenge us. Let's make sure we're submissive to the Spirit of God. And let's make sure the Spirit of God has greater source of joy and excitement in our life than the stuff of God. Do you get that? The stuff of God should not be a greater source of joy and excitement than God himself and his spirit. Let's pray.